Amen. Good morning. God bless you for being here today. We're glad to see you in the house of the Lord. Y'all are ready and I'm finding my passage. Let's go to the book of Acts this morning and uh, let's just read one verse and then we'll let you be seated. Acts chapter 14 and verse 3. Today I'm going to talk to you about something that's a little bit different, a little bit unusual, I guess some would say, uh, from what we normally talk about. How many knows we always preaching grace at Grace Point? Grace is the point, amen? Grace is not a teaching, grace is a person. What's his name? Jesus. He is the grace of God personified, full of grace and truth. And in uh, Acts 14, verse 3, this is talking about, Paul and Barnabas, they're ministering the gospel, and it says, Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his what? Word of his grace. How did God bear witness to the word of his grace? By granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. You don't hear a lot of folks talk about signs and wonders much today. Uh, although I've been doing this long enough, preaching long enough, lived long enough that I have seen Signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen? And uh, how many knows that God is the same? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he has not changed. And God is still a God that heals. He's a God that saves. He's a God that delivers. He is a God that is capable of doing, showing forth signs, wonders, and miracles. Amen? Now, sometimes it's very confusing about, to some, what a sign is. A sign can be person. It says Jonah was a sign. Jesus himself was a sign and Paul was a sign of God's grace. Demonstration, if you will, of God's grace. Uh, Mark chapter 16 and verse 17 says, and these signs will follow those that believe. How many believers do I have in here this morning? Well, you're supposed to look behind you. Somewhere behind you is supposed to be signs. We don't follow signs. Signs follow us. Amen. Now, how many knows a sign points to something? When you start coming into Valdosta, you'll see a sign that says Valdosta City Limits. But you don't stop there. That's just telling you you're getting close. It's pointing to the reality that's on the inside, right? And so all of the signs that God gives are signs that point us to a person whose name is Jesus. And it says, and these signs will follow those who believe. These are just some of the signs. God does so many, he says, in my name they'll cast out demons. That's a sign. It says they will speak with new tongues. In fact, the uh, Corinthians says that tongues are not for uh, a sign to the believer, but it's a sign for the unbeliever. Amen. God said in Acts 2 there'd be signs and wonders and miracles. There'd be signs in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. What kind of signs? Multiple, different, all type of signs. How many knows your Bible contains some of the things that Jesus did, but not all the things that Jesus did? One more verse, and I'll let you be seated. John 20, John chapter 20, verse 30 said, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Another passage said that if all the things that Jesus did were written in the book, that, that the world itself couldn't contain the books thereof. Is that right? And so there's many, many things that God did even when Jesus walked the earth, there's many signs and, and things that Jesus did that are not recorded, but what we do have in the Word of God is enough. Amen. 
is more than enough. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. We're glad you're here. God bless you. Turn around and wave at your family. I know we all this COVID stuff you can't hug like you normally do, but you can wave. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, it talks about signs and wonders, miracles. Uh, it says that Jesus was a man that was attested to by God. And it says that miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, and you yourselves also know this. And then in Acts chapter 4, I just want to give you a little background, then I just want to talk to you a minute about this subject. It says that the church prayed, the New Testament church, they prayed for signs and wonders uh, to be accomplished in their midst. And they did this in Acts chapter 4 verse 30. And this is part of the prayer. It says that, they would, that God would stretch out his hand to heal, that signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. If they prayed for signs and wonders and healings to occur, then we need to pray for it. We need to believe God for it. And, and, and this is not, of course, anything condemning, but when's the last time you prayed for signs and wonders? When's the last time you prayed for God to use you to see someone healed? And it's not just the apostles. Sometimes people say, well, that was just the apostles that did signs and wonders. That's not what the Bible says. They was just a guy that went to church named Stephen. You remember this guy? They later called, he was the only guy in the Bible ever called an evangelist because he did evangelistic work. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, it says, Stephen, full of faith and power, look at this, did great wonders and signs among the people. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The Apostle Paul, it says, truly the signs of an apostle, he said, were, were accomplished among you with all perseverance. Can I just tell you that's the first sign of an apostolic ministry is perseverance. If you don't persevere, you'll never see the signs and wonders. It says, with all perseverance and signs and wonders, and look at here, and mighty deeds. A verse that I always love in Acts chapter 19, verse 11 it says that now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Unusual miracles. That means there are usual miracles and then there's unusual miracles. In other words, miracles are supposed to be usual in the life of believers. Come on, somebody. Matthew 24 and verse 24 says this passage. And, you know, when you start talking about signs, wonders, and miracles, a lot of folk in the church, they're always quick to warn you about false this or false that, false signs, false lying signs, wonders, stuff like that. But Matthew 24, 24 says for false Christ. See, the reason there's false Christ because there's the real Christ. You have never seen a counterfeit $3 bill. Why is that? Why haven't you never seen a counterfeit $7 bill? Why? Because there's no real $7 bill. So there, there's only a counterfeit for what's real. And if the devil's trying to counterfeit something, that just emphasizes the importance of that thing. Can you say amen? And it says for false prophets, not only false Christ, false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. That's why it says if possible because it's not possible to deceive the elect of God. Let me explain it to you like this. 
a woman can have the same didactic tone. She can have the same uh, accent, speech as my wife if that were possible. And she could get on the phone and tell me that she's my wife and I'd pick out a lie every time. She can't deceive me. Are you with me? Sometimes when people don't know who they're talking to, they say, tell me something that I would be the only one to know. You ever seen that in the movies? Tell me something that only you and I would know. And they do that. When, when, when you're in a relationship with God, you have been gifted something called the, of someone, the Holy Spirit, who will lead and guide you into what? How much truth? All truth. See, the churches far too long have more confidence in the, in the devil's ability to deceive than they do in the Holy Spirit's ability to lead you and keep you grounded in love and in truth. The Bible says that, that uh, Jesus warned about that. And he said, well, you know, some people, they automatically think about like in Matthew 12 where Jesus said an evil and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And he said no sign will be given it uh, to accept the sign of the prophet Jonah. And so a lot of times people use verses like this to try to say, well, signs and wonders and miracles, you've got to be careful, you've got to, be, got to watch this, got to watch that. Uh, you've got to see to take it into context of what Jesus was doing, what Jesus was teaching and what he was saying. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 9, this is the context of that statement that Jesus made. And it said that when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue, and there was a man there with a withered hand. Now, under the old covenant in, the, in that time, the withered, the blind, the halt, they couldn't come into the, in, into the synagogue. They were not allowed. It was unlawful for them to do so. Can you imagine that? The folks that need it the worst can't even go. But yet this man had a withered hand, and he had, he had hidden it, and he had, had gotten into the synagogue service, and some of them knew that he was there. They knew that this is a man that has a withered hand, but he wanted to be there to hear Jesus teach. And it said that uh, they, they tried to trap Jesus in verse 10, and they said to, to him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Verse 11, then he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath who will not lay hold of it and lift it out? But they were a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> he said, now how much more value uh, then is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So then Jesus, after this, he looks at that man out in that synagogue audience and he says to this man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out and restored whole as the other. Down in verse 22, then they brought him a man who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, it says, and he healed him so that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And then down in verse 38, the context, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Right, now he's just done all of this and even more. There's another place where he said he healed them all. Jesus is healing people like crazy. And after he has healed the blind and the, the, the mute that he both spoke and saw, they say to him, the Pharisees and the scribes, we want to see a sign from you. I don't even know if I need to explain that. I think it's self-sufficient, really. Listen, they rejected all the signs that Jesus did that had redemptive value. And they wanted him to do a sign that made them feel powerful and important in their positions. He had just healed 
people all around them right before their eyes. And after he heals a blind and a mute man, they say, we want to see a sign from you. And then Jesus says to those people in that context, he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. How many, time, how many times, listen, I hope this ain't your favorite saying, but I'm sure if you've hung around church very many years, you've heard it. You know, we're supposed to seek his face, not his hand. You ever heard that? Seek his face, not his hand. That's not in the Bible. Church comes up with crazy stuff like that. Seek his face. If you find his hand, just look up. His face is real close. It's not hard. They're attached. They're together. You know, Jesus never chided or rebuked anyone for desiring or seeking miracles or their own personal healing. Jesus never said to someone, well, you need to get to know me first before, you know, before I heal you. Jesus didn't do any of that. The church does that stuff. The church comes up with this crazy stuff, but Jesus didn't do any of that. There's no verse that says, seek my face and not my hand. God wants you to seek him in totality. And, 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 and if you need a miracle, that's what you need to be asking God for. Only the sick need a healing, right? And so I, I just wanted, and I could give you many, many verses. You just look in your Bible. You look at the word signs. You look up signs and wonders and miracles. I mean, it's throughout the Bible, and it's throughout the New Testament, and it continues on after the resurrection of Jesus. It was not something that was set just for a certain window or time. And, um, and some of you have heard me talk about some of the things. And, I, and God's blessed me in my ministry of over 34 years now to see signs and wonders and miracles. And sometimes I think signs and wonders are right before us and we just don't see it. I think we just miss them. I think we're dull of hearing sometimes. We're so caught up in trying to make a living and that we miss, you know, the messages that God is sending to us and, and, and speaking to us. And, yes, he's capable of getting our attention. He got the attention of a guy named Saul who was riding a horse on the Damascus Road. I don't want to have to be knocked off my horse to come. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody said, the Lord's a gentleman. He just knocks gently. Well, explain that to Saul. I've read that story. It sounds pretty dramatic to me. But Saul still had to make a decision what he would do with that encounter that he had with God. I remember back in, uh, you know, the, and, and, you know, of course, if people say, well, I don't, I don't believe in all that, you know, there's people that don't believe in healing until they get sick. And then they want God to be the healer that their church told them he was not. But God's the same, and God still heals, and God told us to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. He didn't say lay hands on the sick as believers, and everybody will get an instant miracle. But he said they would recover. I've got to see God do all kind of things in my life and ministry, and it's not done yet. Me and my wife were talking this week. I'd like to see it with you know happen in more frequency. You've seen miracles here, uh, right here in this sanctuary, have we not? We've seen God do miracles. We've seen God heal of cancer. We've seen God uh, do, do uh, things that we never, some of us probably never thought we would see. And I've had the privilege as a minister of the gospel, not because I'm someone special, but God's just looking for people that will yield themselves to him and believe him. See, my, my goal this morning is not to get you to believe in a, in a particular sign, but just to believe in a person. But God's, God's a good God, and he'll give signs and wonders and miracles. And when will we get that? When you need it the most. God, God loves us, man. He, he's, 
He's not trying to be mysterious. Somebody said, well, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. That, too, is not in the Bible. You, ever, you hear that often. I've heard it this week. So, uh, one, of, you know, one of my clients told me, he said, the Lord moves in mysterious ways. If God was trying to be mysterious, he wouldn't give you 66 books. God's not trying to be mysterious. you got 66 books called the Bible. And, and, the, and there's the, every book of this Bible points to one person, and his name is Jesus. And if you read, if you ever read any chapter of any of these books in this Bible and you get anything out of it other than Jesus, you have missed the point. Everything from Genesis to the last verse of Revelation points to one person, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, that's what, and, and our goal is not to know the Bible, but our, our, our goal is to know the God of the Bible. And I used to read the Bible and get come out of it with all kind of stuff that didn't have anything to do with Jesus, and I missed it. And there's people that will pull out, you know, to, to most people, the, the book of Revelation is just a book of, they should call it the book of the Antichrist, or the book of the tribulation, or the book of the horror, torture, and <laughs> it's the, the verse 1 of Revelation, chapter 1 says it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the word of God. And it's only our, our limited paradigms of thinking and understanding that limit us. And somebody thinks, well, you know, if I hadn't ever seen it in my ministry or in my life or in my experience, then God must not be doing it. I remember the church that I founded up in Sparks, Cornerstone, in 1991, still goes today. But in 99, as I was pastoring, I, uh, I remember the, you remember the year 1999? Anybody old enough? What was everybody talking about in 99? It wasn't an election. It was Y2K. Remember that? End of the world. Planes are going to fly out the sky. Everything's going to you know, chaos and uh, catastrophes and all this stuff. And, and, and generators were selling. And, hey, listen, don't feel bad if you bought one. You'll need it. There'll be a hurricane or something come by, and you'll need to crank it up. So I'm not trying to make people feel bad for preparing. But a lot of people got really mad because it wasn't as bad as they thought because they had stored up the rifles and the beans and the generators and the fuel tanks and, and, and all that kind of stuff preparing for Y2K. And Y2K came without a blip on the radar. And in fact, in the church I pastored, I specifically had a New Year's Eve service that night just because to aggravate the devil. I, I just wanted to be there at church worshiping God when the clock changed. Now, totally honest, I didn't know if, what was going to happen. I mean, is the power's going to go? I, mean, I didn't know. I mean, if you listen to all that, you just, you, who knows? But I meant whatever was going to happen, I was going to be the worshiping God in the house of God. And we had a lot of our people that didn't even come tonight because they were too afraid. And, and I'm, not, I'm not demeaning them. I mean, everybody's at different levels. But, you know, we probably had half the church come. And half of them that came was coming because of just the, fear and they said well this got to be a safer place to be <laughs> you know when the anarchy happens but it came and went uh, but I do remember what God was doing a lot prior to that Y2K event he was showing forth in the earth signs wonders and miracles in, in an unprecedented way at least in my lifetime I remember I had a lady in my church she was not a member of my church 
uh, but her daughter was, her son-in-law was, very prominent, distinguished uh, family, wealthy family, but uh, husband extremely accomplished, multimillionaire. Uh, but she got cancer, and she visited my church often. She was there often. And, of course, we began to see the cancer taking effect on her body and, uh, and uh, loss of weight. Of course, she was receiving treatment. She lost all of her hair, uh, the grayish tone to her skin. Uh, it was just not looking good at all. And she had heard about a revival going on in Brunswick, Georgia, where there were signs and wonders and miracles occurring with some frequency. And there was a man there who was preaching whose name was Bob Shadows. And uh, it was unusual what was going on. It was an unusual sign because as he would preach, they would be like flecks of gold-looking dust. They called it gold dust. And they don't mean by that that it was actually 14-karat gold. You know, it was just color. It was the color of gold, but it glittered like gold. And these signs would accompany uh, his ministry. Now, he was not the first for that to happen to. He had actually, he was a policeman in Atlanta area. I don't know if it was actually the city of Atlanta. He was a policeman. He was a policeman in the, in the metro Atlanta area. And uh, uh, he, he just got, and he was a pastor. He's a Baptist background. God don't care if you're Baptist. He still loves you. Or if you're Methodist or Pentecostal. And so this guy was so hungry for God, he heard about a woman in Virginia named Ruth Ward Heflin. She's written many books, many books about the glory of God, and God was using her in an unusual way. And she ha was having that sign of the gold happening on her. So he invited her to his church in Atlanta there where he pastored, and, and uh, she came and ministered, and, and after she left, these signs began to occur in Bob's ministry. I mean, that's, people, you get their attention with that. That's, that's unusual. And um, so this lady in my church, uh, she got healed of cancer. And I mean just dramatically healed, totally healed. Everything went back to normal. And because her daughter was a member of my church, I allowed this lady to give her testimony about the healing power. Because I want people to be encouraged to have cancer and know that it's not the end of the world. And that God's still a healer. So I, I allowed her on Sunday morning to give her testimony at my church. And she did, and in her testimony, she said that where she got healed was in Brunswick at this church where this man was ministering. And, uh, of course, I knew as a pastor that when you stand up and tell my congregation that, a bunch of them fit in the head to Brunswick, right? And, and, and maybe rightly so, but I felt a responsibility as a senior pastor that I should go to Brunswick to check it out. Uh, I, I don't want my people getting involved in craziness. Or something, you know, whatever. So uh, I had heard about it, and it, there were weekly meetings. And I think they were like Thursday night, Friday night. I'm, I'm not sure about Saturday night. And then he would go back to Atlanta and minister at his church on Sunday. And then he'd come back the next week. And uh, did any of you guys here in here, did you go to those meetings in Brunswick? Anybody besides me? Did, hold your hand up. Yeah, yeah several of y'all did. And so these guys here, you can search them out. They'll know I'm not making this stuff up. So we went, me and my wife, we got there. I carried my youngest son. He went with us. And, I, and my problem today is I'm going to have to really watch the clock and, and try to tell a huge story and a real, just give you the, the big bullet points out of it. But we went to the meeting. I didn't want to go there as Pastor Dale. I just wanted to go sit on the back row, check it out, see what's going on. 
I'd heard they putting gold dust in the vents, blowing it out on the people during the service, you know, and all kind of stuff. And so I go, and I'd never been to that church before, so I went there, and uh, so we just slipped in there, and then someone recognized me. Not that I'm famous, but somebody recognized me. And they asked, they, they escorted me and my wife and my youngest son to the front row. Now, we were staying at a motel over there in Brunswick, and, uh, and we were going to go to the service that night, stay at the motel. And then my youngest son, the reason he came along is I had promised I'd carry him down to the water park, I think Eric Jekyll, and he could go spend the day at the water park. And so he's like, I'm, I'm with you, Dad. I'm ready to go, you know. So, And I, how old was he then? Ten, something, maybe ten years old? And so he's on board with us for that. And then we had several people of our, our church. One of my elders went. His, my church secretary, she went. And then uh, uh, one of my elders, his family from a, uh, another town in Florida also were staying at the same hotel, and they met us up there, and they wanted to be part of the, the services. So uh, they, they went as well. But I got recognized. They set us on the front row. And I noticed during the service, before the service started, some ladies of the church started uh, taking these little purple and white prayer cloths. Anybody know what a prayer cloth is? It's just a piece of cloth cut in a square. And they based that out of Acts, you know, where Paul took anchor, uh, handkerchiefs and aprons, and they would carry them from people's body, and they were healed. And it's in the Bible in Acts 19. And so they, they like this stage here, they spread all those cloths out, just dropped them out all over the stage. You know, and I thought, well, that's kind of weird, really, to me, a little bit. But, hey, you know, I'm... I'm up for weird as long as it's a good outcome. I, I, weird for weird's sake, I'm not into. But if it's weird and after that, you know, I mean, Jesus did some weird stuff. I mean, the guy come up for healing, he's spitting his eyes. So I'm not going to start a spitting in the eye ministry for the cataracts. All right? But if, if I could spit in your eye and it would be healed and you were blind and now you could see, I believe you'd let me spit in your eye. <laughs> okay? Um, Jesus made mud one time, packed in the guy's eye. I mean, he done some weird stuff, and, and, and weird stuff is all through the Bible as far as weird compared to what we call normal. And, uh, and I've been around a lot of weird stuff and weird people, and I'm kind of worn out with the weird. And we need, we need, we need to understand, you know, anyway. But, but that happens. The service goes on. Here comes this guy out in a polo shirt. And he just starts talking about Jesus. Now, listen, the night I was there, Channel 4 out of Jacksonville, Florida, TV crew was there filming. Now, I knew if Channel 4 out of Jacksonville was taking time to send a news truck up there. When's the last time a news truck come to your church? If they're sending a news truck up there, and I mean, and they're not coming for a scandal, they're coming because they heard the power of God's there. That night, I remember, they flew, they flew a lady from Canada who was dying of cancer in there, and they rolled her in on a stretcher to be in the service. We had all kind of desperate-type things like that. It was all throughout the building. To my surprise, the place was not packed out because the people there at the church, they'd been seeing this for months now, so they were like, ah, we didn't see that. It's kind of like in the Bible, you know, they got really excited when the manna, you know, rained down. Oh, this is manna. It's oh, like angel's food. Wow, we've never seen anything like that. And, you know, in a few, you know, after a few months of that, they go, ah, we're sick of that manna. Right? How many knows I'm in the book? Ah, we're sick. We've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. we done eight manna. What else you got, God? How about some quail? You got some quail? People get tired even of the supernatural. 
of the miraculous. See, you think if you had miracle signs and wonders, it would make everybody live right. It won't. It won't. I've seen that. I, I, yeah. I, oh, go, oh, yeah. I've done, done, I, I seen that. So anyway, we went there that night. This guy's preaching. He comes out in just a shirt, you know, and, and he's not glittering. He's not, there's nothing going on. And it, the longer he talks, the more he starts glittering. And by the time he's through preaching, he's looking like the gold dust guy. I mean, he's got gold everywhere, front, back, everywhere, skin, nose, face. Am I telling the truth? Not only that, all those cloths are filled with gold dust. And by the way, there was no overhead vents of any kind in the building. It's a family life center where I was. One of the uh, ushers comes by, looks at my son, who I wasn't paying attention. I was paying attention to preach. He looked at Austin. He said, man, you're covered in gold dust. And I looked, and my son's face is just glittering. And that usher said, man, you need to go to the bathroom. Look at yourself. <laughs> and, and he's holding his arms out. Is that the truth? So he gets up and goes to the bathroom. He's got gold dust all over him. My kid. Now, I'm still trying to be incognito as far as that goes. Nobody announced anything I was there. So the guy gets through preaching, and uh, it just God was just doing some stuff. My son looked down when he got back in the bathroom, looking at himself. He saw one of those purple prayer cloths, and it was just glittering. He said, Daddy, I want to, people were coming up and picking them up. And they would take them to their loved ones that were sick and cancer and pray for them or mail them to them or just try to have faith that God would do something. So my youngest son, he was 10, he said, Daddy, I want to go out and get me one of them. I said, man, just sit still. We, you know, not right now. I'm telling you the truth. As soon as I said that, now right now, Bob Shadows was preaching, walked over to the altar, picked up one, walked over to my son and handed it to him and said, God told me to give you this. <laughs> he said, God told me to give you this. And Austin looked at me like, see there? <laughs> and that's, that's the truth. Now, one reason I'm talking about this is my son... Thursday night, we were sitting there about 10 o'clock. It's been on my heart for about three weeks to talk about this stuff. I was sitting there, you know, watching TV, and, and uh, you know, text went off, and it was my youngest son. And he sent me a, a little YouTube video of Bob Shadows uh, that, that he found. He just said he came across it. He said, Daddy, he said, I, you know, he said, I, uh, uh, you know, hand, hand my phone, baby. He said, you know, I just came across this, and, uh, and I knew God was just, you know, to me, God was giving me a sign, getting my attention that I want you to talk about this this Sunday. So he, Austin sent me this. I know you can't see it, but that's actually a picture of Bob Shadows. And uh, he, he said, I miss him. I came across this tonight. So I said, yes, yeah, son. I said, I miss those days too. It was awesome to experience the miracle of, of the gold dust. My Bible has a number of pages still full of it. I'll tell you about that in a second. And he comes back and he says, Daddy, this is one of my most precious childhood memories. He said, I try to explain it to my wife, but I just cry. What I'm trying not to do. <laughs> he said, I've always had a special place in my heart for that man. He said, there was always something very welcoming about him. He kind of reminds me of Papa. That's my dad who's gone. He said, it was a fun time, Daddy. I said, it sure was, son. This kind of stuff was happening. Uh, we saw people healed that night. Channel 4, Jacksonville News interviewed Bob after the service. Bob Shadows called me out of the audience that night and said, God told me you're a minister. 
and he said that your church is a is a uh, a place that that he that God's instructed me to come to minister. He said, I'm supposed to start breaking off from just always being tied down to Atlanta. He said, so if you want me to come, I'll come to your church. I didn't go there to get him to come. And in fact, I, I didn't even say, yeah, you can come. <laughs> you know what I told him? It's the truth. I said, I'll, I'm staying in a hotel here at Hampton. I said, call me in the morning and I'll give you my answer. I want to pray about it first. See, because it's really not my church. It belongs to someone. I'm just a steward. As dumb as that sounds, I saw preachers lined up with their booking books in their hand trying to get that man to come to their churches. And here he calls me out and says, I want, you to, I want to come to your church. And I say, I'll pray about it. <laughs> I thought, you know, and I did pray about it. I just didn't want to get involved in nothing that wasn't God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just a regular guy. And I'm at the motel praying, now God, if it's your will, you know, all that stuff. I figured the guy won't even call me. Because, see, when you start letting God use you, you're going to come under the stigma of that, and they're gonna, people are going to beat the hell out of you for being used by God. Pardon my language. But Mary didn't get an audience when she was not married and got pregnant with God. And she lived with that stigma all her life that trailed her. You say you want to be used of God? Really? But God's not going to make everything, everybody, you know, like it. They always mock, G oh, yeah, the only begotten. <laughs> yeah, we heard about your mom. He said, we know who our father is. They told Jesus that in John 8. Our father's Abraham. Jesus said, no, your father's the devil. <laughs> he went Bobby Boucher on him. You know what I'm talking about? He said, your father is the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. Jesus didn't play man when he got to religious people. He was kind and merciful to those that needed him. But religious people, that's what made him sick. Because that spirit blocks you from the help that you need. Bob called me the next morning. We set an appointment. He came in October of 99 to Cornerstone and Sparks. We had the cameras rolling and we still have footage of this stuff. Bob came. He was going to be there three nights and it was weeknights. He came first night. I had so many pastor friends there, and, and my church was packed out. We had people driving from Alabama, from Florida, that heard about the meetings, and the church was packed, and we had to have an overflow, okay? And our church seated 750 people easy inside sanctuary, in the Family Life Center. It was packed. We just we got up with our praise team. Our, our praise team got up there, and, and I didn't even set my Bob shadows. My, uh, my pastor was there, so I, I gave him the honor of setting. I introduced him to Bob Shadows. I let him set by Bob, and I set several. I, I had Methodist pastors sitting there. I had Baptist pastors sitting there. We had a Catholic priest that come. Everybody wants to see what? Signs, wonders, miracles. Why does God use certain signs to make you wonder? That's all I, I don't know. I'm not, it's up to God. So, and I didn't even realize, so Bob comes in. He doesn't have gold on him nowhere. By the time he's through, gold's everywhere. By the way, let me go back and just add a little addendum. Uh, you know, Bob called me, said, we, you know, and I said, yeah, Bob, I believe the Lord wants you to come. You, you come and preach. Remember, I carried my kid to the water park. We spent all day there on the water slides and all that kind of stuff. And, and of course, you get wet, and it's like it's better than the shower because, you, you know, you're going through all that stuff. And, and, uh, 
and changed clothes there in the in the park, of course, and put on the dry clothes, and we came home. And 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 so what I'm saying is, my ten year old surely had washed off all the any gold that may have been from the meeting prior night before. I tell him that night, I said, "Go to bed, son. Go brush your teeth. Get you know, get in the bed, whatever." And, and so he goes in there, takes off his clothes, you know, and he comes back in the living room. I'll never forget. He said, Dad, that gold dust is on me. And I'm thinking, it can't be on you because you've already showered. And, and then he says, it's in my hair, too. And I remember I started looking in his hair, and it was all in his scalp. Am I telling the truth? And, and, it, and this sign followed him. My son went to sleep every night listening to Bob Shadows preach for, uh, I don't want to exaggerate, how long? Probably a year, she said. Every night we would put him, you know, he'd go to bed, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, and he's listening to Bob Shadows preach. Boy, that thing touched him. So you don't think kids and teenagers and all give a rip about God. Most of them don't because they ain't never seen nothing. They've never seen a confirming of the word with signs and miracles and wonders. But I'm going to tell you again, those things are going to still happen again, and we, there's things ahead of us. No, they ain't all behind us. I'm going to tell you that. And that's one reason I'm preaching about it. Now, now, one reason that I believe God was doing signs and wonders all over the world didn't have nothing to do with just one little guy named Bob Shadows. Because these things was happening, this, this, this phenomenon of whatever it was, whatever it was, this gold-colored dust. But when Bob came to the, my church the first night and he preached, and then it's my turn as pastor to walk up and take charge of the service after the worship team has concluded and, and received the offering or whatever. And, uh, but when I walked on the stage that night, uh, I remember hearing my church, the people that were there, many of them were not mine, I remember hearing them gasp. And I didn't realize what they were gasping about. Is my clothes, my coat, clothes were covered in gold dust. I don't mean where you had to get a microphone, you know. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm Mr. Glitter Man. I've got just as much gold dust on me as he has. And all I was doing was sitting there listening to him preach. The guy preached the most simple message. It'd be like if I preached that simple, y'all would just throw me away. Y'all would go like, ah, oh, God. I mean, he, all he did was preach the most simple message about Jesus, getting saved, and then he would give three altar calls. He would give one for salvation first. Then he would give an altar call for those that were sick and wanted healing. And then he would give a third call for those that wanted what well, he This is how that good little Baptist guy, Bob Chattel, he called it the transfer. <laughs> we that are proper know it's impartation. He would pray, lay hands on them for impartation. And, buddy, they would come now. I'm telling you, they'd come, and you'd be there at midnight. Because there wasn't nobody in a hurry to go home. Nobody during the gold dust days, we'll say, was doing this. How much longer? Nobody's doing that. I had people trying to get in our church, no exaggeration, at 12 noon so they could get a seat. And, our, and my staff had to say, I'm sorry you can't sit here from 12 noon to 7 to 9. We, we got to lock up and go home and then we're coming back, and the doors will open an hour before service. I, I remember what it looked like to have a long line of people lined up an hour before uh, trying to get into my church. It's awesome. And each night that happened to me, people came up to me after the, the service concluded, and, and they come up and they said, uh, Pastor, do you mind if I get some of that gold dust off of you? This is new for me. I've never been in the gold dust deal. And they would come up with like tape 
and they would stick it to my coat and peel it off because and, 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 they didn't have a handkerchief. And they were going to take it home and lay it on their loved one and pray for that cancer to turn loose of them or whatever it was. And I would just stand there and people would come up with their tape. And, and it happened all three nights that he was there. Why? I don't know. I asked God, only thing I could get, I felt like God said, that's just a gift to you, son, for opening up your heart to my glory. And in fact, he said, every pastor that will open their heart to my glory, I'll do that. And this is a fact, and there's some in here that knows this. So, the, so I introduced Bob to all these other guys in my network, to my pastor, to Mike Hobbs, who pastored New Covenant Tifton. So Mike's Hobbs Church was so, he just couldn't hold the crowd. He didn't have the, the room. So he rented the Tift Town Theater. I went to the meeting the first night on stage, a theater, just like the old theater right down here. So he, I went to the theater, and, and, and I said, hey, Bob, good to see you again. And, and, and so I sat right by Bob the whole night, well, you know. And, and, and when Mike Hobbs got up to take charge of the service, even though he was not sitting by Bob and I was, I had no gold dust on me. Mike Hobbs was covered in it. And it happened to him all three nights of the meeting. And then he came to Valdosta. He came to New Covenant where my pastor pastored, L.A. Joyner. And, I, and, and they, it was, place was packed. And me and Mike Hobbs were sitting right behind L.A. who was sitting on the front row. And I saw the L.A. had on khaki pants and a blue blazer. And I said, I told Mike, I said, I know you're not supposed to bet in church. But I said, I'll bet you when he gets up there, he'll be covered in gold dust. It's going to be a sign that every pastor that opened their heart to the glory. And uh, I said, it happened to me and it happened to you in Tifton. And I said, let's see if it happens to L.A. It happened to him. When he walked up, it was glittering. What does that mean? I don't know. It's just a sign that points to a person. I remember my church was packed with people from every denomination. I, I, I couldn't even believe these people were people that said I was a cult leader, and here they are in my church. What are they doing here? The Baptist, the Methodist, the Nazarene, the Tangerine, Assemblies of God, the Church of God, don't know no God. They was all there. I remember one night that a lady from the Methodist church of a town who had Parkinson, and I've told and she was standing there like this, guys. I'm not mocking her. I'm just trying to show you. Remember Parkinson? It makes them shake like they can't control themselves. So she's, sitting, she's standing there like this. Now, Bob Shadows himself was hurting in his low back so bad that I had a physician in my church. And, and, and I carried Bob Shadows to that physician's office that day. This is a man that God's using to do signs, wonders, healings, and miracles. Yet he's hurting so bad in his low back that he can't hardly function. So I take him to my doctor friend who injects his back with steroids or whatever to try to ease the pain. And Bob's back was hurting him so bad he just asked me, he said, Dale, he said, would you just walk along and just take a hold of my belt, my back belt, while I'm praying for all these people? We would pray to midnight. And he said, would you just, because it, it took that long to pray for all these people. He said, would you just grind your knuckles into my low back and that kind of gets some of that pressure off that nerve and it helps me. Would you just walk along with me? I said, I'll do it, Bob. See, some of you don't think God can use you to heal somebody unless you've got total healing everywhere in your body. That's a lie. In fact, it's even more powerful sometimes when you go against what you're not experiencing to believe what you can experience for someone else. And this lady, she was in the line waiting to be prayed for. Boy, my heart went out to her. And as soon as Bob touched her, she never shook again. <laughs> she never shook again. Totally healed. 
I was there. You can't tell me nothing. I was there. And in fact, that little sweet, and I'm, I'm only saying the name of denominations for the sake of emphasizing that God's no respecter of person. There's nothing in my heart against any denomination or any person like that. you got to know that. I'm only, only, only say it to encourage, not, not to make fun of. This Methodist lady goes back to her Methodist pastor who is so touched by his little member who they all knew had severe Parkinson's disease, who has been healed in a little church called Sparks by, Nan, by a man, Bob Shadows, that he called Bob and booked him for a revival. But Bob never lived long enough. It was a four-year-out booking. And Bob died before he would ever get there. Bob Shadows became part of our network. We related to him. God used him in a powerful way. But it wasn't just him. So th this phenomenon was happening back in 99 all over the world, in other countries and other lands. I talked to a pastor uh, named Dale Howell in Grant Pass, Oregon. Never heard of a Bob Shadows. Actually, the church there was called Cornerstone. It was happening. I remember the night that we were in Brunswick. You remember one of the kinfolks of one of my elders that came up from Florida. Uh, she had a gold tooth that occurred during the service, and nobody prayed for her. We were all back at the hotel with a flashlight shining it, trying to shove it down her mouth. She said, I got a gold tooth tonight in the service. And I'm thinking, like, why would God give somebody a gold tooth? I don't know. I remember I looked in her mouth. We, we had her all jacked up. We were, I'm saying, are you sure? Because I didn't know her. I said, are you sure you didn't have that before you got here? She said, I'm telling you, I've never had a gold tooth in my head. We were all looking in there, you know. But that was happening all over the world. So then I go over to different places. It just started happening. It started happening in our church on a regular basis once Bob was there. I had a little girl one time that her parents were drug addicts. And when I say little girl, she was about three. Her grandmother brought her to church faithfully every Sunday. One of the Sundays, they brought the little girl up for me to see her after the service. She was in her little dress, and she had a band of gold all the way around her head, thick. We filmed it with our TV cameras. We were about to go on TV about a year later. In fact, they, they, they were trying to, you know, film her and all, and it was kind of scaring the little girl, and she made her start crying. I told her, Grandma, take her. What was God saying? He was marking precious one. I, I don't know. We, we were just seeing all kind of things. And, and these things were causing people to come. And, and, and I noticed that night when I went to Brunswick. I said, if, if the whole big deal is about the sign, then I know it's not God. But if the sign points to Jesus, then I, I, I'll be able to deal with it. And, 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 and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people were being saved all over. So I got invited by a pastor to go to to meet him. He's from Augusta. He said, I'm going to be going to Albany to hear uh, Bishop Tudu Bismarck from Zimbabwe. He's going to be preaching in a church in Albany. You ever heard of that guy? I said, yeah, I've heard of Tudu Bismarck. He said, uh, I, you know, would you want to uh, come, you know, meet us over there? And he said, in fact, I'm going to we're going to have a private dinner with Tudu Bismarck after the meeting. I said, man, I'm on board. So me, my wife, and my oldest son that played the drums, we went over to Albany. Place is packed. This ain't these churches where, you know, you can lay your Bible 
Bible, the seat by you because there ain't no seat by you. Every seat's occupied. So if you're going to take your Bible, which is the Bible I had that day, you stick it up under your seat. And I remember when it came time and they introduced Tudor Bismarck, and, and he said, all right, I want you to open your Bibles to so-and-so. So you know how you do when you're getting started? You, you're going to go left or right? You know, remember when you actually carried a Bible? <laughs> and I remember I opened my Bible up, you know, which the middle is somewhere, Psalms, Job's, and I opened it up to, to divide it to start going left or right, wherever he was telling us. And on both pages, it was full of gold dust. And, and I have it right here. Now, it's my, this is precious to me, so I'm not going to let you trample my pearls. And I just sat there looking. Everybody wants to know what verses it was gold dusted. <laughs> the Bible was <laughs> in my both pages. I showed it to Pastor Johanna. She's seen it before this morning. And if you want to see it afterwards, you can come up. It's not weird. I'll show it to you. The, these things was happening all over. I remember I went to Baxley, Georgia, where a, a pastor, pastor's wife and husband and wife from Mexico. Didn't know none of these other people. This sign of gold and stuff is happening to them. Place is packed. I laid my Bible under my seat. When I reached to get it out, this burgundy leather cover had what I call this gold dust kind of burned into the leather. And I preached out of this Bible for another 10 years, and yet it's, you can still see it right there in the Bible. I remember that lady, her hair would be filled with it, and there was a beautician in that church. And people are real skeptical about stuff, so, so they, that, that beautician asked the pastor, can I do her hair before the service? Not in a skeptical way to the lady, but sure. So anyway, the beautician washed the lady's hair, you know, done whatever. And this lady, it wouldn't be so much all on her clothes. She had, she had this long hair, and it would just fill her hair. I don't know, but the people packed that church out every night in Baxley to hear this woman testify about Jesus. Signs, wonders, and miracles, and salvations and healings occurred. I remember the last night that Bob was at my church at Sparks, I was sitting on the front row. We had a wood floor because it was a multi-purpose building, gymnasium type deal. And I remember sitting there, and yeah, I was physically tired. And I remember looking down, just sitting there. It was about midnight. And, 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 and right before my eyes, it was like somebody threw double handfuls of gold dust right between my feet. It's the honest God truth. It was so much, I just took my shoe like that, and I just went through it. It was that thick. Little kids would come up after the service and take up like a piece of paper, and they would shovel it onto the paper, take it home with them. And that sign lasted for quite a number of years, and it was going on all over the world with multi-ministries that had no clue of one another and in different languages in different places, and it was happening. And it happened all in, in all, you know, 99 and 2000. And then it just seemingly, for the most part, kind of stopped. It's my belief, obviously, I wouldn't be talking about it, that, that was a sign and a wonder from God. People tried to give explanation. Well, why, why is God doing that? One guy said that he saw a vision and he saw Jesus. You know, because the Bible says Jesus himself will ride that white charger and come to get us. Remember? It says that in your Bible. And he said he saw Jesus in heaven sitting on that white charger ready to come get his bride. And it said that that horse was pawing the ground and it was pawing. It was gold dust was hitting the earth. In the Jewish tradition of those about to be groomed to his to be a spouse bride, 
it, it still is today, throughout that year of, of being a spouse like Mary and Joseph were, uh, that, that husband sends gifts to his bride-to-be to let her know, you're still on, girl, and I'm on the way. The last gift that he sends is a gift of gold. Jesus is going to come back. And kind of like we were in 99, we got a lot of things in 99 that were taking the attention of the world away from God. And God, through his mercy, just released some signs, wonders, and miracles. And I believe today we're at a place where we need that again. This world's got their attention on everything but God, seemingly as a whole. And so I, I want to pray like God had, like they were praying in Acts. Lord, would you stretch forth your hand? With signs, wonders, and miracles, would you heal in the mighty name of Jesus? And because, see, and I don't fault people that don't know God for needing a sign. I, I no longer need a sign or a wonder to make me a believer. Blessed are those who believe who have not seen. So I don't have to have God do anything ever for me to prove to me who he is. He's done more for me now than I ever thought I would have ever saw or experience and I am so thankful for that I've had the privilege of prophesying to a to a woman that she would give birth to a little girl it would be the dream of her heart when that woman did not even have a boyfriend and that little girl sends me pictures now and she just won a week ago or two weeks ago Miss Georgia junior high Miss Georgia at a pageant Mary Alice is her name I always tell her, I saw you for your mom and daddy did. Because I did. I saw her in a vision, in a night vision. It gave me the boldness to prophesy. I've seen God do so many miracles like that. I can stand and just tell them to you. But yet it frustrates me because I want to see them more. You, you right here in this service, remember one night several years ago, that on Saturday night I had an open vision. I, I, I woke in the middle of the night and I sat up in my bed and I saw this service. Not this service today, but that service that I was to have the next day. And, 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 and I saw a lady on, that was seated in this section. And God told me what to tell her. And then I saw a lady and her husband seated in this section. And God told me what to tell her. And then I saw a man seated in this section. Remember that? And then I saw a young girl at the back. And, and, and so when I come to service, can, can I just tell you that, that I'm still human. And that day, like, the thoughts will hit you like, what if that's not? <laughs> but there's a desperation in my heart that what if it is? Because I knew that if I stepped to this pulpit that morning, which I did. How many were here that day? Hold your hand up real high. Hold it up real high and wave it like I didn't make all this up. Did we? And, and so all I'm saying is you saw that. And when I went to the pulpit that day, I just said, God, I'm going to step out in faith. Because, see, it was not, if anybody's here, God told me which section. He showed me which section they would be sitting in. So if I point to right over here and say you're in this section, I just limited myself. But did I do it that day? I said, you're, st you're seated in this section. You're an African-American lady, this is what, and I said, and in fact, that, I remember, I said, I saw her smile in my vision, and she had a goal too, and I said, you got to have a goal too, and I said, and she stood right over here. Did it happen or not? And then I went to this uh, section, and then I remember I saw this guy in my dream, and he had on, in my dream, he had on camo hunting breeches, trousers, and a nice sport coat. 
which I've never seen anybody wear that in a natural. <laughs> but in my dream, and I remember, how many remember, and I called that guy out, and I said, God says, you're a hunter, you're a hunter in the natural, but you're a hunter in the business marketplace. But, and I began to prophesy. That guy came to my office the next week. He had tried for years and years and years to get things going in the business world. And I could tell you exactly what business he's in. And it just never worked. God prophesied to him in that service that it would occur. And, 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 and God gave him success in his businesses. I remember there was a young girl. Crawford, you remember this. She was sitting at the very back. Young girl. I, I, I don't know what she's 18, 20. I don't know. I didn't, I, you know, but I saw her in my dream. And she wasn't a regular tender. I, 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 you know, I just saw her that day. God knew who was going to be here. And I remember I called her to the front. And I said I'm supposed to give her a pen. And I think Crawford got me a pen to give her. God, and God told me to hand her a pen and, and give it to her because she would write things and write laws and decrees. And, and God would use her in a tremendous way. Her mother came to me a week later and said, that everything you said was, that's my daughter. She said, that's my, that, everything you said is, is exactly what. God's always trying to encourage you in the things. Why don't that happen every Sunday? I don't know. I can't make it happen. If I do, I don't know. Somebody, I used to have people all the time tell me, several leaders, uh, even when I passed the corner, they say, why don't you just flip the switch every Sunday and do this every Sunday? I said, man, I, not only do I not know where the switch is, I don't even know where the wall is that the switch is on. Because God says in Hebrews, he said he did signs, wonders, and miracles as, at, according to his will. This is not a sideshow. It's not a carnival. Don't push buttons. I'm not trying to entertain but I'm trying to proclaim a person whose name is Jesus. But God is still a God that affirms and confirms his word with signs following. He confirms his believers. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll do this. They'll do that. They'll heal the sick. They'll raise the... They, that, that, that's signs. And I don't know, you know, so all I, I guess maybe what I'm trying to get us to do, myself along with you, okay, is don't forget this. And, and, and pray like they did in Acts 4. And let's ask God for signs, wonder, and miracles. Hey, if you're not an apostle, it's, it's, it's okay. If your name is Stephen or Stephanie, God can still use you in that way. You can, you can lay hands on the sick. Those little tugs of your heart, those little impressions, those, those standing in line at Walmart, and you're like, I don't even know this person in front of me, but I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for them. You, you can do it without being weird. You can just say, I, I know this may be weird to you, but... I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. Could I pray for you? Why don't you just do that and see what happens? Do you know a lot of times when you just start praying for a person in faith, you, whether you know it or not, you don't have to contort your face or get weird, you, you'll be begin to pray prophetic things in the dreams of their heart. You'll begin to pray things that, that they so desperately need to hear from God. And they'll leave there knowing that the Lord has heard them. See, Acts chapter, uh, no, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14 says that, that they would be people that would come unbelievers and, and that God would use the gifts of the Holy Spirit to manifest the secrets of their hearts. And it said once their secrets of their heart are manifested, they would fall on their face and give their life to God saying of a truth that we know the Lord's in you. Because you would reveal things. And whether it comes, and that happens to me a lot of times when I'm preaching because, see, you don't ever let me know when it's happening, but then you send me messages the following week and you say, you said it was like you was reading my mail. I wasn't, but somebody was. I'm just a mail carrier, but God wrote the letter. I have the word of knowledge, but he has the paragraph. He has the book. Are you with me? 
And, and I want you to be excited about that, that. Yeah, I'm a grace guy. And there's nothing I want to talk about more than grace because when I talk about grace, I'm talking about Jesus. And I want you to be delivered from the bondage of religion and performance and all that stuff. And I want you to know how much God loves you. But I also want us to be a church that says, God, you know, if you're looking for another spot, you know, like you did in Brunswick or like you did in Sparks or whatever, to, to be a place that would host your presence with signs, wonders, and miracles, hey, we, we'd like to volunteer for that. We, 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 like, we would like to be that church that hosts your presence, hosts your, your power and your glory in, in that way. And let me say this. When that started happening in my church in Sparks, and I'll say this and I'll quit, preachers, I understand. I wasn't in their pulpits. But I understand I became very popular. And I understand all in Cook County and surrounding preachers were preaching about false Lying, deceiving signs, wonders, and miracles. And all of a sudden, my church was at the center, epicenter of being a, a, a you know, a, a cult, you know. Yet, all their members were coming to those three nights. And those pastors got afraid. The reason some people automatically just start railing out against lying, signs, and wonders, because, or God don't heal anymore, because that kind of explains why, that's their excuse for why he don't do nothing in their own ministry. Because it's an arrogant, proud thing that if God was going to heal somebody or do miracles, he would use me. So therefore, he's not using me. So therefore, everybody else does stuff. Is, that's a lie. You see how arrogant that is? See how wrong that is? God is still a God. And, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm amazed to see what else God. You know, God's not limited. Will, will he do that same sign again like that? I doubt it. I doubt it, but he could. You know what? I, it's not the sign that I'm after. But you know what? I'd love to see this place packed out in an hour before the doors unlocked, people lined up to get in. I would love to see that, see that grass field next door over at the fairground, 4-H Center over there. I, I would love to, us to have to ask permission to borrow the park over there because so many people are trying to get in over here. I would love to have to break out a few golf carts to run over and pick them up because I've done that before at my church. I've had golf carts run down the road and pick them up, drive them back, drop them off. It's real cool. I like that. And it's because of those types and those times I've tasted of that level of God's glory that if we're not careful, it can make you despise the day in and the day out. Just walking in faith. God's good to me. Better than I've, I've seen. I told my wife I've seen more than I ever thought I'd see. We were just riding the golf cart one night this week. And I said, I've seen more than I ever thought. And I've seen more than most of my contemporaries. And, that doesn't, I, and I'd say that with no pride like I think I'm something. Because I don't. But I say that because we want to see more. And I was saying my frustration there, I, I, I wish it would happen more often. All, all these things, I wish it could happen more often. I, I wish... Precious sister, she gets tired of me probably wearing her name out, but she's sitting back here, God heal. I wish I could look and lay hands like I did on, on Mary Lee and say, the problem's in your abdomen. In fact, it's in your colon. And we could watch that cancer go away like it did in her body. We're standing right here. Did that happen, Mary Lee? Just wave and just say, thank you, Jesus. She's so precious. I love you guys. We've seen God heal right here. Now, I didn't see inside, and I didn't see it, but the results of that faith that night totally healed of that cancer. That 
it left her body. The fever instantly left her, but the cancer left her too. And I didn't tell her that. God did. God healed. He's still the same. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you're up against. It can be financial. It can be physical. It, can, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It does matter to God what it is. I want you to stand with me. There, there, there's a chapter in Psalms. I think it's, it's I, I get them confused sometimes. I'm still trying to memorize the Bible. I haven't quite got it down yet. It's a lot of books, a lot of verses. But I think it's Psalm 78. Down in that psalm, it talks about that there's generations where they forgot about the power of God because their mamas and daddies stopped sharing them is really what it is about, the miracles that God did when he brought the people out of Egypt. And, and the problem with not sharing it or talking about it or stirring it up is that you forget about it. And if you forget about it, guess what you won't do? You won't pray about it, and you won't ask God about it, and it becomes a perpetual downward cycle of not seeing. I want my kids... Austin, how old is Austin now, darling? 31. That's my baby. Somebody getting old around here. Uh, he's 31 years old. He's texting me last Thursday night. And he says one of his most precious childhood memories. I remember that Sunday after we'd been over at Brunswick, I, I didn't know what to preach that Sunday. It just tore up my preaching. I mean, how can I go to church on Sunday and not talk about where I'd been for, you know, so, I, so when I went down to my prayer cabin, I had a prayer cabin back on the creek, and I went down to prayer cabin, I opened my Bible up to, you know, early that morning to try to find a place to preach from or something. I just, my mind was all, and so I opened my Bible. This is truth. You'll either believe it or you won't, you know. I opened my Bible, and there was a purple prayer cloth with gold dust just covered on it. And, uh, and actually, the passage in, in the scripture was, Behold, God said, I will do a new thing. Shall you not know it? And, uh, and I thought, well, that's cute. Because my wife, I thought, had taken Austin's prayer uh, cloth. Remember the one Bob Shadows handed him? And she probably thought it being precious, which it would be, stuck it in my Bible for safekeeping. That's what I thought had occurred. See how spiritual I am? But what was happening was every night since we had gotten home, Austin had stuck that prayer cloth inside his pillowcase, right or wrong. He, just, he wanted just to sleep on it. He wanted it in his pillowcase. But I thought Jill might have said, well, you know, he might lose it or whatever. So I thought she had taken it out of there, stuck it in my Bible for safekeeping. And so I, I go to church. And so I got to church, and I just didn't know what to do. I don't always know what to do. And I thought, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to say everybody wants the glory of God manifesting in your life in a greater way. You come up and line across the front, and I say, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this prayer cloth that Bob Shadows gave my son, and I'm just going to just walk by and touch each of you. And it can be weird to some, or I'm not trying to do no voodoo or nothing. I, I just do like Paul did, handkerchiefs and aprons, you know. And so I said, this is Austin prayer and, and so my wife and, and Austin was sitting on the front row, and, and, and so they started shaking their head no. I'm like, why are y'all shaking y'all's head? No, at me, I'm up here trying to, I'm the man of God. I'm trying to do service. What's that? And I remember it was just frustrating. They were like shaking their head. And they were, she was trying to get my attention that I did not have Austin's prayer cloth. That she had made his bed before we left to go to church. And it's in his pillowcase. And she told me that. I finally walked over to her in the service. And I said, what are you talking about? 
She said, that ain't Austin's prayer closet. She said, his and his pillowcase right where he's had it. And then my old dull mind kind of hit me. Is it possible that God put it in my Bible? It's a sign to me. You know how analytical I am? The next day I called that lady that got healed over there because she was at that meeting that night and she was about one of the only people in there that knew me. I said, during that service, when I was in Brunswick on that night, did you ever come over to where I was seated and reach under my chair and get my Bible and stick a prayer cloth in it? I called her and asked her that question. She said, why no, Pastor Dale, I wouldn't dare touch your Bible. I said, okay, I just want to be sure. Sometimes we can be so cautious of being deceived that we miss God. God had did that. And I know after that service, I would see people standing in our altars at Cornerstone. They would have their hands raised. And it didn't happen to, to uh, I won't even say, I'll just say several of them. Over the next few months, they would have their hands in like these lights. They would be in the altar just praising God, unknowing of anything. And their hands would be coated and covered in gold dust. And I would look out on them. Sometimes they would notice it and they would call me over and say, Pastor, look. I go, yeah, that's cool. That's pretty cool. But God's with us whether you get gold dust on you or not. God's with you whether you ever see a sign or a wonder or a miracle or not. You have seen them. You just may not have recognized them when they occurred. Is this okay to talk about this? But one of the signs of the grace message going forth is God will confirm the grace message with signs, wonders, and miracles. And whether they come covertly or overtly, I just want them to come. I just want to be an instrument. And I told God this morning, hey, God, I'm going to go talk about this stuff. It'd be real cool if you would back it up with some stuff. But I'm here for you, whatever you want to do. I can't push no button. I ain't going to blow nothing out of no vents. We ain't got to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't care about all that. I don't even believe God will probably do it that way again because he's done that. I mean, he, God's got a lot of repertoire he can do. He can do a lot of stuff. I know people talked about seeing feathers float down. People have found diamonds and rubies and stuff. I mean, there's all kind of things that people say that God has done. And then the, the problem sometimes when God starts doing stuff like that, it kind of brings out the nuts and the flakes and the post-toasties. And they'll take stuff like that and they'll run with it and they'll make a religion out of that. Sign following. I'm not really so much going after signs, but I want signs to follow me. I want to just be a normal guy that loves God with all his heart, but I want the Lord to do unusual miracles through me like he did with Paul. And I've told God, and maybe you don't get that out of that verse, but I told God, God, if you did unusual miracles through Paul, what what were the usual ones like? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, mean, I see with all these recorded that he did, he's the one that come up with the handkerchief and the aprons. That, you know, that wasn't Church of God called of that. That wasn't the Pentecostals that thought of that. Paul did that. And I think people can make a cult out of that kind of stuff. I've had people over the years say, well, Brother Dale, would you preach today with this uh, handkerchief in your pocket? And I said, I sure will. And I stuck it in my coat pocket. You know, and I've had people call me back and say, I took that to my cousin down in Tampa or whatever, and I laid it on him, and I prayed, and God healed him. I just want you to know. Does God do stuff like that? You understand it ain't got nothing to do with the anointing oil that we anoint you with. It's got nothing to do with a prayer cloth other than 
It's just a point of contact of your faith. Your faith is not in a piece of cloth or olive oil that you buy at Publix, <laughs> but it, what it represents to you, what you're believing for. Let your faith rise up in you. Believe God for big things. And don't wait for some apostle or prophet to be used. God will use you. Just go after those nudgings in your heart and just and, and, and tell us the story. We can't wait to just, I mean, I'd like to have testimonies all the time. What did God do this week? And I mean, I, I love that. God knows what's going on in your life. But he's a God that if you need a miracle, hey, he's big enough. If you need healing, he's big enough. And if you need a sign, a wonder, or a sign just to make you wonder. <laughs> a lot of God's signs have made me wonder. Why did he do it that way? I don't know. But I just want God to be God, don't you? Father, I love you and I love your people. And I thank you that we're all loved by you. So we join the prayer of Acts 4. And we say, Father, stretch forth your hand with signs, wonders, and miracles through the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And confirm your word. The message of grace is preached throughout this, this church and throughout this people. Confirm it with signs, wonders, and miracles and healings. Stretch forth your hand as we stretch forth our hand. Lord, let us not hide our withered hand, but let us stretch it forth. Let our hands be made whole again to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Make us sensitive to your spirit and to what you're doing in the earth today. And make our hearts expand and believe you. That God, the greatest miracles are not behind us, but before us. The signs, wonders, and miracles are not all behind us, but they are before us. And I pray that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You believe that today? Give the Lord praise. We love you. God bless you.